This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com fool and using promo code fool at checkout. This episode of Motley Fool Answers is also brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Whether you want to place a trade on Twitter or get market news from your smart speaker, TD Ameritrade has everything you need to invest on your favorite platforms and devices. See what's new at tdameritrade.com innovation. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I am joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. Hello, bro. Hello, Allison. In this week's episode, it's just all about stuff. All about the stuff. And when stuff starts to own you. <laughs> if you're dealing with too much clutter, you're not alone. And we're here with advice on how to get rid of it. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. So, bro, what's up? Allison, I do an awful lot of reading. I actually suspected, I was trying to analyze it, like, I think about half my job is reading. And sometimes I'm reading stuff, and I'm like, oh, I kind of knew that. Sometimes I pick up a new thing or two. But sometimes I read something that really makes me question, frankly, like how I'm living my life. Okay. <laughs> and that was my experience recently with this recent article from The Atlantic by Alana Samuels, and it's entitled, We Are All Accumulating Mountains of Things, How Online Shopping and Cheap Prices Are Turning Americans Into Hoarders. It's pretty shocking, and the fact that we're a nation of spenders isn't necessarily news, but the stats were, were pretty stunning. And like every Atlantic article, it was pretty long. So I'm not going to go through every one of them. But here are a few quotes from the article. So in 2017, Americans spent $240 billion, twice as much as they spent in 2002, and that's adjusted for inflation, on goods like jewelry, watches, books, luggage, and telephones, technology, according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Over that time, the population grew just 13%. So it's not due to population. It's just that we're spending more on this stuff. On average, Americans spent almost $1,000 on clothes last year, buying nearly 66 garments, according to the American Apparel and Footwear Association. There is such a thing. Um, on average, Americans bought 7.4 pairs of shoes last year, up from 6.6 in 2000. So we're just buying more stuff. And of course, you need a place to keep all that stuff, right? So last year, the average size of a single-family house in America was 2,400 square feet, a 23% increase from the size of two decades ago, according to Harvard. And then there's the number of self-storage units. There are around 52,000 such facilities in the country. Two decades ago, there were half that number. A few years ago, there was a research report that found out we have more uh, storage facilities in this country than we have of Starbucks, Subway, and McDonald's <laughs> restaurants combined. Wow. It's something like 21 square feet of storage per household. Wow. So that's 5,200 storage facilities. How does that compare to the rest of the world? The whole rest of the world has 10,000. Wow. Yeah. So we have five times, more than five times as much as the rest of the world. Um, the other aspect of the article is that things have become cheaper. And part of that is because they've become lower quality, which means they don't last as long. So one example of that was that um, the share of large household appliances that had to be replaced within five years grew 13% in 2013, up from 7% in 2004. Things just aren't as good quality money because we're demanding cheaper prices. Um, and then there's the question of, of all this stuff that we buy, do we make good use of it? And of course, we know that a lot of it just kind of sits around the house, sits around the storage facility, 
doesn't get used, get used. Lots of examples of that were in the article, but here was one. So the 16,000 students who live in dorms at Michigan State University left behind 147,000 pounds of goods, like clothing, towels, and appliances, when they moved out this year. Wow. A 40% increase from 2016, according to Kat Cooper, who's a spokesman for the university. Um, and uh, Ms. Samuels, who wrote the article, visited the massive Goodwill warehouse in California that covers like San Francisco, San Mateo, and uh, those areas, and just saw how many of these items still had the price tags on them. People buying stuff, never using it, and donating it. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we actually end up donating, in the end, doesn't get sold anyhow. So according to Elizabeth Klein, the author of Overdressed, The Shockingly High Cost of Cheap Fashion, she estimates that 85% of the clothing that is donated to secondhand stores ends up in landfills every year. Mm. So why is this all happening? Well, one of the things that was covered in the articles basically is, you know, 30 years ago, if you wanted to buy something, you had to wait till the store was open. And then you had to go to the store and buy some things. Brutal. Not anymore, right? So here's a quote. <laughs> no, the, the rough days of actually having to leave your house to buy something. Well, no, I mean, I ordered something on Amazon. Yeah, spo- yeah we're talking about Amazon, right? Right. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> I, had to, I ordered something on Amazon, and they delivered it via UPS, and for whatever reason, and it, it was like Tupperware. It was Tupperware. I could have gone to Target and bought it. It's fine. Whatever. It del- they're like, sorry, we can't deliver it to your house. You have to go to this random convenience store in the middle of nowhere that had like bulletproof glass in this convenience store and like five things on the shelf. I'm like, I'm here to pick up really? my pack. Yes. It was crazy. I'm like, I'm here to pick up my package. And they just had this big pile of packages. And sure enough, here you go. I was like, this if I ever order something from Amazon and they make me go to this convenience store to pick it up again, I'm going to be really upset, but probably just keep ordering stuff from Amazon, <laughs> if we're being honest. Well, so but I was like, why, why right. are you that's doing kinda, this to me? That's kind of crazy, of right. course. But generally, I mean, we, we can wake up in the middle of night and order something, and it'll be at our house in a couple of days. She, I mean, speaking of Amazon, choose the example of Alexa, right? We could say, Alexa, order me new underwear, and two days later, there it is. And it's pretty cheap. Fantastic. That's right. And it's probably pretty cheap. Which is great on one hand. Mm-hmm. There is the question of quality, but the other hand is that because it's so cheap, we don't give it a second thought. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? It's only five bucks. It's only ten bucks. Um, so, what's the cost of doing all this, right? Well, of course, for me, being the personal finance guy, I'm thinking like, my goodness gracious, the amount of money that is being spent on this stuff. And we know that the average American isn't saving enough, right? So, we've cited the Federal Reserve stats in previous episodes that more than forty percent of Americans couldn't cover a $400 emergency. They would have to turn to the credit card or borrow money from friends. And then, of course, there's all the stats about people who are not saving enough for retirement. So, Northwestern Mutual just came out with a recent survey. One in three Americans have less than $5,000 saved for retirement. Mm. Of those who do have money saved for retirement, the average they've socked away is $84,000. Nice bit of change, but not enough to fund a retirement, right? So, there's that's obviously when you think of like, well, why aren't people saving enough? Obviously, for many people, it's because they're spending too much. And then there's the environmental cost of all this, right? Um, so, according to the article, in 2015, Americans put 16 million tons of textiles into the municipal waste stream, as they called it, a 68% increase from 2000. We tossed away 34.5 million tons of plastics, 
a 35% increase from 2000, according to the EPA. Um, some of this ends up in landfills. Some of it lands up in the oceans. And so, early this year, there was a study published in the scientific journal Scientific Reports finding that the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, oh, are yeah. you familiar with this? I am familiar. Is now twice the size of Texas, three times the size of France, and growing. It's oh. essentially a giant island of floating trash yeah. off the coast of California. And that's just one. There's, there's something like five of these major garbage patches. If you remember when Malaysia Airlines 370 disappeared, one of the, the search initially was hampered by the amount of trash that's in the ocean. One of the scientists looking into it said, quote, it isn't like looking for a needle in a haystack. It's like looking for a needle in a needle factory. It is one piece of debris among millions floating in the ocean. Hmm. So, what do you do about all this? In the next segment, we'll talk about it. This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper's breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulate your body temperature through the night. And buying Casper is easy. You order online, it's delivered to your door in a compact box, and with free shipping and free returns to the U.S. and Canada. A number of fools and listeners have bought Casper mattresses and love them, but you don't have to take their word for it. Considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing. And that's why Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash fool and use promo code fool at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And that again, that's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash fool and using promo code fool at checkout. Got my diamonds, got my yacht, got a guy I adore. I'm so happy with what I got. I want more. All right, bro. So now that you've made me feel sufficiently bad about ordering stuff, a lot of stuff through Amazon and contributing <laughs> to the garbage patch of the ocean and spending too much money, um, you're here to help, right? Right. So as you hear this, I think there's there's three questions for people to ask. Number one, is this a problem for me? Number two, if so, what should you do about it? And then number three, there's the question of buying more stuff, but then there's the question of what do you do with the stuff you've already accumulated and you don't necessarily use anymore. So let's start with number one. Is this you would ask yourself, is this a problem for me? So first of all, let's address the whole savings question, right? If you're not saving enough for retirement, if you don't have an emergency fund, if you're not saving enough for your kids' college educations, whatever goal you have, then clearly looking at your spending is one place to start. As we've talked about in the show beforehand, rather than spending throughout the month and then seeing how much you have left over to save, you should reverse it. You should figure out, okay, this is how much I need to save every month for retire. I need to get that out of my checking account, get in my 401k, get in my IRA, do that, and then just stick to whatever I have left over. Um, but even if you're saving enough for retirement, if you're generally okay, that doesn't necessarily mean you should go on spending sprees, spending on stuff that you end up not valuing. So I think it's valuable for everyone to, of course, look at their spending, whether it's your credit card statements, your bank statements, Mint, or any other tool that you use, just to look and say, like, okay, I bought this thing six months ago. 
Was that a good idea? Was that a good purchase? Take a look at what you have in your house. And I mean, you have to look sort of everywhere your closets, your drawers, dressers, um, cabinets, your car, your garage. Look at all the stuff you have. And, you'll, and if you do have a problem or, or if there are ways you can improve your situation, you're going to see it probably. But I also thought, like, you probably look at your stuff all the time, it doesn't occur to you. What if you imagined that we were looking at it all? With you, if you were looking at it with the answers team and you had to expose like what you have to other people, is there anything you'd feel particularly guilty about or a little bit ashamed what of? What are you getting at, bro? <laughs> you know where I've really got this from? It's because I was doing some research on hoarders, uh-huh. and one of the issues for hoarders is they get to a point where they're so ashamed of their hoard that when something goes wrong in their house, they don't call people to come fix it mm. because they're too embarrassed. And then that reminded me of me being the good Catholic boy that I am. I remember reading a couple of times of like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people talk about the bad side of Catholic guilt, but I remember reading a couple of articles and maybe even like a sermon about like, there's an upside to guilt. Like it's often a marker of, you're kind of realizing you're probably doing something you shouldn't do. So if you imagine that you had expose your spending to the rest of the world, you might feel like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed by the whatever, the number of shoes I have, the number of comic books I have, whatever it is that you maybe should, should cut back on. Mm-hmm. This has been an episode of Better Living Through Public <laughs> Shaming with Robert Brokamp. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, so anyways, but I think as, as you listen to this, right, you're going to, if you if there is something that you probably shouldn't be spending, it's probably occurring to you already, right? And so the, the question is, what should you do about it? And that's the next part. So what should you do if you do have a problem with spending? So first of all, as I said, first of all, it's just get it out of your bank account. Just put it to other accounts so you can't spend it. Another thing is just to limit the amounts you could spend on discretionary stuff. Like no, Everyone should have a little bit of fun money. Just put that into a separate account. Have it only accessible by either cash or an ATM, so you can't use a credit card for that. And you're allowed to spend that whatever it is, every month, every two months, every year. But then once it's done, it's done. You can't spend any more on that. If you do have a problem with online spending or it's just something you'd like to limit, there are a couple of ways to handle that. First of all, every browser has a way to block websites. And I've done this for uh, situations where I know I'm visiting websites that I, that I should rather be spoke, focusing on work. So, like, I've blocked Facebook. Bro, what? you are killing me in this episode. Why? I'm, no, I just want to hear all about the websites that you're going to that you no, feel no, guilty no, no, no. about going all right, to. So, so, for example, there are some interesting things going on in politics right now. And I was having trouble ignoring the okay. political stuff mm-hmm. and focusing on my work. So, I blocked the typical news websites that I've you know, you can, It's easy to unblock them, so it's not like you permanently do it, but it is just a way to put that extra speed bump and say, you know, mm-hmm. I need to focus on mm-hmm. my work. I can look at the news later. So you can do the same with any website that you go to buy things. I also found this interesting thing, and it only works for Chrome, but it's called Icebox. And it, it, it's first of all, I should say it's based on a principle that Rick told us about, and that instead, you, Rick, you want to explain your principle about putting it into the cart first. Oh yeah, just so. Um, if you feel the urge to shop because, I don't know, you're hungry or depressed or whatever it is that makes you want to shop, you go through and you find all the things that you dream about and you put them in the cart, but you don't hit the buy button. You just wait 
um, you, you get all the satisfaction of doing the hunting around and finding things and you put them all in the cart and you get all happy about that. But then in the morning when you wake up, you'll look at all that stuff and say, oh, I'm glad I didn't buy all that stuff. Right. So. Yeah. I have a cooling off period. So now I have an Amazon cooling off period sometimes where I, if I'm recognizing that I'm just bored and throwing stuff into the cart, then I just leave it there and I come back 24 hours later or whenever later. And then I'll be like, wait, why did I want to buy bright yellow leggings? Like, what was that about? Right. Well, I found this extension for Chrome. They look really nice, Allison. <laughs> well, it's going to be a Halloween. It's, it's a Halloween costume. It'll be great. It will be great, because I make great Halloween costumes. Yes, you do. So do you. And you. Thank you. Uh, anyway, so I found this extension for Chrome called Put It On Ice. So what it does is basically it replaces the buy button on most popular e-commerce sites with a button that says Put It On Ice. So when you click on it, you put it in your ice box, oh. and it's there for 30 days. Now, you can change that, but that's the default. So you're, mm -hmm. And if you absolutely need to buy something, they have this workaround. You have to put in a magic phrase. But again, it's just a speed bump. But it's just a way to be like, okay, I'm not going to buy immediately. I'm going to wait in, uh, for a certain amount of cooling off time and then decide if I still want it. Um, the other big uh, cause of problems is people with catalogs. Right, people getting stuff in the mail, they read it and they order it. That way, according to the New York University School of Law, uh, 5.6 million tons of catalogs and other direct mail advertisements end up in U.S. landfills annually. 44% of junk mail gets thrown away immediately. So it's, it's another environmental concern, but if you also have an issue with spending stuff that comes in, the first thing, of course, to do is just cancel them. You can contact the provider directly, but there's also a website called catalogchoice.org where you can unsubscribe from all kinds of, of the most popular catalogs, if that's an issue for you. Um, holidays are coming up. It's always important to think about what you spent the last year, maybe the previous year. If you're doing a good job of, of providing stuff for uh, your loved ones, stuff that they value. When it comes to Christmas, of course, those of us with kids buy a lot of stuff. I found this kind of interesting. According to Gene Arnold, who's an anthropology professor at UCLA and lead author of a book called Life at Home in the 21st Century. The U.S. has 3.1% of the children, mm -hmm. but consume 40% of the toys in the world. So we buy our kids a lot of toys. It was interesting in, in a, a video where she described her book, as long as with her co-authors, about how toys have spread throughout the house now. Like when, when you go to, like, it's not just like the toys are in the kids' room. Like they're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yes. Um, so, as the holidays come up, to think thoughtfully about what you're getting. Do you want to do experiences instead of stuff? Other things that you could spend your money, that type of thing. Um, and then the number one thing I think if this is a problem is, and it's perhaps the most important, at least for a financial website, is that to appreciate how much spending less and saving more pays off over the long term. So, assuming an 8% annual return, for every $1,000 you cut from your budget and instead put into some sort of an investment account, You'd have $2,200 after 10 years, $4,700 after 20 years, $10,000 after 30 years. So that's every thousand. Of course, if you could cut a few thousand every year, each and every year, that adds up. So especially for those who are behind in their savings, it's important to really think about how much you're giving up in the future by spending money today, often on stuff that you don't value. And then finally, just what to do with all the stuff you already have. And I don't really have anything revolutionary here. You basically have three choices, right? Throw it away sell it, or donate it. Um, for the sell it, of course, there are the normal options, yard sales, classifieds, Craigslist. I started coming up with this long list of specific websites for specific items 
and it just got too long. So my basic advice is like if you have something you want to sell, like maybe a tuba, for example, mm. Ross Anderson, <laughs> just go to your favorite like search engine and put ways to sell used blank. And you'll, you'll find out websites, services for things like that. Of course, like if it's just random stuff, go ahead and have the yard sale or something like that. But there are so many specialized services for specialized items, and it varies from where you live in the country. Um, just do a little research. But there are ways, really, to recover a lot of the money that you spent on stuff that you no longer use. For the donating it, you know, I mentioned um, Michigan State previously about all the stuff kids leave behind. They started a program where they now encourage kids to donate their stuff instead of throwing it away. So this year, they collected 900 pounds of personal care items and 4,000 pounds of non-perishable food items wow. to demonstrate. Um, Pomona College also does this. By the, by the way, these are both from the Atlantic article. Pomona College in California has done this. First of all, they've noticed out that the amount of packages being shipped to students has increased 325% in 12 years. So all these kids are getting all these packages from Amazon that it just didn't happen 10, 20 years ago really that much. But they also encourage kids to donate stuff at the end of the year, rather than throw it all away. They collected 42 tons of clothes, furniture, and office supplies. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. So, again, the, where you donate stuff is very specific to what you have and where you live. But just by doing a little research, you probably can find someone that can make good of something that you have. And if you don't want to donate it, there are other ways to get rid of stuff to other people who might use it. So, for example, there's FreeCycle which is a website you sign up for your local area, and people just post, like, I have a lawnmower I no longer want, and people say, I'll take it or not. Um, if you belong to some sort of neighborhood or community Facebook group, next door, anything like that, here at The Motley Fool, we have a Slack channel called Classifieds. People are often putting up stuff that they're either selling or giving away. Um, here at The Fool, we've had um, Stuff Swaps for Parents, organized by the wonderful Kate Herman. I was talking to her earlier today. She said that we've done it about four times over the last eight years, and it's always been successful. And that at the end, either parents of the stuff that no one takes, either parents can take it back, or we donate it to someone who will use it. So there are lots of ways to, um, if there's something you no longer like, someone else, somehow someone else can make good use of it. So let me close with a quote from Jean Arnold, the UCLA professor I mentioned earlier. And she said this in a YouTube video that I watched. Quote, one of the things we discovered and documented is that contemporary U.S. households have more possessions per household than any society in global history, end quote. So in many ways, we're very fortunate to be living in the times that we are and the place where we are, but we might be even better off by changing the ways we expend our resources. So for the good of your personal finances and for the good of the planet, strongly consider how much stuff you really need. Want less. Want less. This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. You're always on the cutting edge of technology, and TD Ameritrade prides itself on being ahead of the curve, too. Their latest innovations put their resources and services on the popular platforms you carry and use every day. Now, all you have to do is enable the TD Ameritrade skill for Amazon Alexa, or message them on Facebook to stay on top of the markets. Learn more about their commitment to innovation at tdameritrade.com innovation. I ended up with too much stuff No matter what it cost me, I couldn't get enough I got to put it all behind me, got to give it all up I ended up with too much stuff Well, I'm really excited to welcome our guest in the studio today, and it's Lacey. 
Hi, everyone. <laughs> so, uh, so people uh, who are listening don't know who you are, and that's okay. Uh, you've been at The Fool for... 13 years. 13 years, so wow. a good long run. And the reason why I wanted you to come in today is because you have a really remarkable personal story of being able to help a loved one throw out a lot of stuff. I do. <laughs> so we will, and you were kind enough to come in here um, and, and tell us your story and share what worked for you because it really was a success story. I remember talking to you beforehand, mm-hmm. and I think I just happened to be sitting there, and you happened to come by, and you're like, well, I've got to... I gotta get I gotta get on the road and get to New Jersey or wherever it was you had to go. I gotta help um, a family member uh, clear out a storage unit, yeah. and you I could tell that you were like <sighs> nervous about it. But ready, so, so yeah, but ready. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about kind of what what led you to needing to go to uh, New Jersey or Pennsylvania or somewhere and clear out a whole storage unit? New York, close enough. New York, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, my family has had a storage unit for 15 years. When my mother moved out of the large house into a condo, everything went in. And eventually the goal was the kids will get you know some stuff out of it and my mom will go through and downsize and uh, nothing happened. So we talked about it for 15 years. We paid for it for 15 you years. You and your husband paid for the storage yes. unit for 15 years. So yeah. it was time to go. Um, it just... You know, we have a son entering school, and it's time time to get rid of that expense. So yeah, yeah. We, no one really knew what was inside the storage unit was the amazing part of it. But it was, totally, it was a big mystery. Yeah. It was a huge mystery. <laughs> so it was one of those, you know, downsizing. My sister and I were off at school. Everything just got – everything got thrown in boxes. from Like pencils and erasers mm-hmm. are in boxes. Um, so we had no idea what, what we were going into. And I prepared for this event knowing it was going to be um, – tremendous for my mom um, emotionally challenging emotionally just you know she it's overwhelming for her to think of things that have she's been gathering for a lifetime that are important to her and you know my childhood and growing up so it's 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 everything for her wrapped in a in a unit that she can go visit she knows it's there and so when that disappears it, it, we knew it was going to be a big problem yeah so how did you prepare because you actually got an army you hired an, a small army of people to help you with this I did I did um so we I, I did some research and spoke to a lot of people. Um, we broke down items into garbage, um, special items, things that you care about, that you will like and, and want to have memories of, and then things that um, we're going to keep. So photo albums. I wanted all the photo albums. I took them with me. Essentially, we needed everything to go, and we had a weekend to do it out of a huge storage unit. So um, I hired a photographer for items that she loved or had a memory that nobody wanted, um, <laughs> which is hard. And I hired a company that specialized in throwing things out. And then I um, essentially also just had a smaller unit that I had taken over for two months to then would be, we have someone coming in to take donations. So we had a truck coming in for donations. So we had, we had two trucks, we had movers, um, photographer, and I was going to have an emotional therapist there, but in talking it over with my mother, I knew she was prepared to handle it. Um, and on day of, she was ready to go. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So then did she sit there and people would present stuff to her and she would say, toss, take a picture, donate? Exactly. And, and that was, I think, 
empowering her and knowing she was making all the decisions, mm-hmm. that was it. You know, um, there were many items that um, were from my childhood that she was happy to see me getting to look at and make a call on. But, of course, we took many photos of, of items because that was hard for her to let go. Yeah, but um, you, you, I think you mentioned before the show yeah. that there were, like, trophies and things that you were yeah. like, I don't... I don't I want no this. This doesn't mean a lot no, to me. You know, yeah. old CDs may, may be valuable to someone. There were a ton of magazines, yeah. uh, seventeen magazines, things. You but know, it was that, your stuff. My stuff. Yeah. Um, so I would think I reserved the right to make the decision. Uh, so she was. She was great. She did. She made the call. We worked with excellent movers, and I think you can find movers that specialize in this type of thing. They opened every box. They let her look into them. Um, we very quickly, after a few hours, had a rapport where she trusted the movers. Mm-hmm. So if they opened a box and yelled magazines, we would just immediately garbage pile. Mm-hmm. Or and, and that was was huge. Um, and I would say the other way that we prepared uh, was just talking about it and how the day was going to go. And we didn't have a lot of people there. Um, besides, obviously, all that help, there, we didn't have. Um, you know, everyone from my family represented. There was, you know, we, we sent some quick text messages for items. But other than that, it was, we kept it very minimal um, and made sure that she felt empowered. How did you find the company that would come and take the donations? So that was a local company that, that I researched, um, that I, that I knew about. So we, it was, it's a, it's a boutique kind of donation place, mm-hmm. but you can research that, uh, good, goodwill. I'm sure some of the big companies will come to your, um, house. I, I do know personally, um, that I do donations then come to my house, but this was really mostly, um, uh, like clothing items and not so much furniture. A lot of the furniture we ended up just kind of getting rid of it it was old yeah yeah were they picky at all they said like yeah we don't want that and you had to throw that away or were they pretty good about pretty much taking whatever you're willing to donate Um, no they didn't take everything and everything they didn't take we had an agreement it it went gotcha when we had Matt Paxton, you know, the hoarding expert guy at the fool Uh, like a year ago or whatever he talked a lot about um baby boomers and kind of empty nesters and how they have so much emotional attachment to all of their stuff uh, and so a lot of a lot of people here at the Fool I know are going yeah. through the same thing yeah. that you went through, or at least they 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 need to, or they know it's a loved coming. One. They know it's yeah. coming, um, and so it's been it's been really great to have you here yeah. talk about this because I think a lot of us are going to go through this in the future. I, I think so too, and and it certainly keeps. I, I clean my house on a regular basis. Um, I probably err on the, on the other side of the spectrum and get rid of things all the time because of this experience. It. Um, but it, it, it was really positive. I will say, once you decide that something has to be done, overwhelmingly the relief my mother and my whole family and everyone feels is tremendous. There are moments that even I think, gosh, I threw something out that I really needed in that in one of those boxes that we didn't really sort through, but there were too many. And, you know, if you haven't needed it for 15 years... You probably don't right. need probably it. Okay. <laughs> right. yeah. I, just, I recently read a study where there's a connection between having too much stuff and being stressed by measuring the cortisol, yeah. which is the, the stress hormone. Like people who have a lot of stuff are more stressed. That's unbelievable. It yeah. doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you have less things to, to monitor and take care of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Lacey, thank you so much for coming and sharing sure, your story. Sure, it was so, so great to be here. Thank you, and, and good luck to anyone else who has these challenges. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's tough. Well, that's the show. It is edited, Pack Rattingly, by Rick Engdahl. <laughs> uh, I don't really have anything else to add here, so I guess that's it. That's it. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Stay foolish, everybody.